0: you ever done anything bad? When I was young, I did something bad. Unforgivable. There was this man, and he was handsome, charismatic, and he noticed me. I guess I wasn't as tough as we thought. What happened? Nothing. It's just, I just feel a
1: bit off. Go away. Are you speaking to me? Stay away from me and my kid. Okay, you are mistaking me for someone else. I know him. I know
0: what he's capable of.
2: I've missed you so much.
0: The life we made was perfect. Come after me. Come after my child.
1: I swear to God. I will kill you. You wanted to hurt but I won't happen. I think
0: you're having an episode.
1: I'm the only one that can see you. The only person that really knows who you are. Hello everybody, welcome to the
2: latest episode of Fresh Cuts This is Mike joining me as always It's Mr. Venom, what's up Venom, how are you?
1: Greetings and salutations Narcissists Yeah, I'm doing pretty well Mike, how the hell are you doing?
2: I'm doing well I'm living in a kid-free home right now For another few days So it's uh, it's kind of nice To uh, <laughs> be able to just relax after work And not worry about much else Yes it is Okay <laughs> All right. Also with us, it's Don and Nelly. How are you, Don?
0: Yeah, what's going on? Always great to be here.
2: Cool. Well, uh, so for this week's episode, there was a little bit of a mix-up because we were planning to do Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Did not realize that the first week of release was limited, and then it opens wide this coming up week. So we just had to move it a week. We uh, It's not the case where it's like limited and gone. It just had to move it a week. So uh, we, I think we were caught a little bit off guard. So we were kind of like searching around for something. And uh, I kind yeah, of knew was, of this movie.
1: It was kind
0: of weird. Cause this was kind of like the one weekend where there was like seven or eight titles that we could have chosen and been reasonably like reason. Like they, they would have been like obvious choices for us to cover. Cause I think there was like six or seven that we were chatting about. As like okay, yeah. what about this one? What about this one? Well, this one releases this week. This this one releases this week, and it's like, yeah, we probably could have picked. We we could have reasonably had like three or four different titles that we could have chosen.
2: Hmm. Yeah. And like as I was going down them, um, one, it was like a matter of like, okay, which streaming service is it on? How are we going to get a hold of it? Two, a lot of them were just getting mediocre. Reviews, which doesn't always necessarily make me uh, not want to, because I'm still gonna watch everything that I have time for anyway. But you know, um, it's sometimes you're prioritizing different stuff. Uh, when this, the the reason I kind of suggested this one was purely, I guess, off two things. One, it was kind of like psychological thriller leaning, and two, the cast, Rebecca Hall and Tim Roth, to me was like okay. I know I'm gonna to want to watch it. I uh, didn't. I uh, initially I didn't even know if we were gonna do it on the show just because of you know other movies, but it just kind of fell into place. So that movie is titled Resurrection, um, just released. And let's see the IMDb synopsis: Margaret's life is in order. She's capable, disciplined, and successful. Everything is under control. That is until David returns, carrying with him the horse of Margaret's past. All right, so um, just time for general thoughts on the movie Resurrection. I will kick it to Venom first. Venom, let's hear your thoughts on Resurrection.
1: All right, well, um, this is a very well-made movie. Um, we got some competent direction from Andrew Siemens. Uh we've got some nice music work from Jim Williams. Maybe not as good as I'm used to cuz Jim Williams has actually done two of my favorite scores of the last couple of years. Those two being uh Brandon Cronenberg's Possessor and uh the wacky ass Titan from last year that none of us could really classify as either horror or action or I think we just call, I think we just call it a WTF movie. But yeah, those are two of my favorite scores of the last few years. And this one is still good, but, you know, maybe not up to what I expect from Jim Williams. We've got competent cinematography from Wyatt Garfield, known more from Beasts of the Southern Wild and Porto. Um, beautiful performances from Rebecca Hall and Tim Roth. Obviously, when you hear those names, you know you're getting great performances. You don't necessarily need a A director to get great performances out of these two. Um, Like I said, cinematography, good editing, like on on, on a technical standpoint, this is a solid movie, very well made. Now, having said all that, sounds like something I should like, right, folks? Well, wrong. I'm very sorry to have to report I fucking hate this movie. I fucking hate this movie with a fiery fucking passion. Yes, I'm sorry, but uh, uh, Mr. Venom from the Greta and Mother reviews will be rearing his ugly head today because this is the worst movie watching experience I've had Since Darren Aronofsky's mother, another movie that was critically acclaimed and, you know, enjoyed by many genre fans that I just couldn't get behind because of just it was just two hours of of frustration and poor decision making and whatever else. And here it's just the same thing. It's just such a frustrating journey. There are so many plot holes in this movie. When you're done watching this movie, you're going to have about 50 questions in your head because that's what I had. Like, why did this happen? How did this happen? How did this not happen? Like, everything that occurs in this movie, it's like, why? And then Rebecca Hall, someone who overall I enjoy, watching her play this just timid, controlled character, you know, obviously by Tim Roth's, um, you know, narcissistic douchebag character, David, but... Man, I, I just at every turn, I hated every decision she made, the way that she treated her daughter, uh, the way that she didn't tell her daughter the truth, the way that she didn't tell any of her co-workers the truth, the way that just just I feel like every fucking decision in this movie was just wrong. Now, I do want to say that. You know, I, I've never known a, an abused female or someone who comes from a toxic relationship in the past that maybe affected her poorly moving forward. So I can't say that this isn't the most unrealistic um, performance. No, it's still a very good performance from Rebecca Hall. I just don't agree with her character and all of her damn decision making. Um, like I said, the plot points in this movie, like every single time we got a new plot point, it's like, what? Are you fucking kidding me? Is this serious? And then I will say that the ending of this film is probably the best part. It's probably the part that, that I enjoyed the most watching this film. But it didn't save the movie. This ending, as cool as it might be, and as up for many different types of interpretation as it may be, it did not make up for this journey. This was an hour and 45 minutes of just sheer frustration. Literally every single time Rebecca Hall's character walked barefoot to work, I'm seething. I'm, I'm on my couch fucking seething. Let me tell you, folks, if it wasn't for this review, I would have stopped watching this movie, not because it's a bad movie, as I, I hope everyone is getting you know, that from my review. This is not a bad movie. This is just a movie that did not resonate with me, and I just want this movie to burn in hell and get the hell out of my head. So I, I'm done with general uh, thoughts for now. I, I think I got my general thoughts across. Fuck this movie
2: okay sounds general general and specific <laughs> um I'll kick it over to dawn uh what did you think of resurrection uh
0: can you uh copy paste venom's response into mine um, <laughs> uh, i i i don't have much to add but uh yeah uh fuck this movie so hard uh, and i'll i'll tell you what um I, I don't know if this is gonna be spoilerific or not but I gave this movie a a legitimate shot. I I was willing to give this a go. And right around the half hour mark, I realized this was not going to be the film for me. Uh, Nothing was happening. Nothing was interesting. None of this was the kind of film that I'm interested in. But for the sake of the show, I I powered through. Um, I admit I was uh, kind of glancing side to side, you know, playing on my tablet or, you know, doing other stuff. And then we get one of the most irritating, soul-draining, momentum-stopping monologues I've ever seen in a horror film. And at that point, I realized, one, there's nothing short of a three-way lesbian sex scene that is ever going to change my opinion on this film. (laughs) There's nothing that's going to happen from here on out that's going to make me actually like this movie. And... I, I, I felt that. I, I was genuinely sure if that was going to happen. And then I realized that this bitch is still talking. And she's still talking. And she talks some more. And I thought at this point, she's wasted 10 minutes of my life talking about an abusive relationship that could have been handled in five, five minutes. Thank you. She could have even handled this in three minutes. Or, you know, even said three or four lines on the matter. So, fuck you, you self-righteous cunt. Fuck this movie.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, man.
0: I, yeah, I'm done with this. Um, so, uh, if you want to know where you can find me online. Um,
1: <laughs>
0: but, yeah. Uh
1: <laughs> I came very close to wanting to insult Rebecca Hall's character. I, I, I don't mind Rebecca Hall, as I've already said, but just her character in this movie is just such a useless, pointless character that I, I just, the, the performance is great. I, I, this This is a weird review because, as, as with Darren Aronofsky's mother and it follows and movies of the like, I still want to praise its filmmaking. It is well worth watching. And I also admit that I'm going to be in the minority on this. I was in the minority on Nighthouse. If you guys remember Nighthouse, I was just kind of lukewarm on it. I was like, okay. Once I realized that the Nighthouse was just another version of Final Destination, I kind of mentally checked out and lost a little bit of interest in the movie. <clears throat> this one didn't remind me of anything. And I'll give, that, I'll give the movie its credit for that. It didn't remind me of anything else I'd ever seen before, but it also doesn't have a coherent storyline that makes any kind of sense other than unreliable narrator. That's about the only explanation I could give for why this movie is so weird. So, yeah. Go ahead, Mike. Tell us why Don and I are wrong.
2: Uh, I mean, I think the first half of your general thoughts are correct. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I don't know. I'm trying to think of another movie that we've done on here that puts us as polar opposite as we are on this movie. Um, performances I thought were great. This I I agree with you about the score. I feel like the score was fine. What we got sounded good, but it, it was very subdued. And maybe that's just because of the style of the movie. They didn't want to you know press too hard with the score. Because there were times when I was like, oh. Like, the music playing in the background is kind of enhancing the scene, but it, it did feel very kind of, like, underscored, almost, in a way. Maybe that was deliberate, though. I mean, I, I don't know. Um, Let me see. I, I found the story coherent. Like, I don't... We'll have to... A lot of this was going to have to be hashed out in spoilers, obviously, because we can't get into the details of our disagreements. But... um what else i mean i i think it what obviously in a, with a movie like this they're going to take like i guess like the extreme example of post like abusive relationship I, you know in today's discourse out there in the world the term groomer gets thrown around a lot for a lot of incorrect reasons but i think they're you know as we're learning more i think there's an example of that going on in the relationship to where her, by the time we're in modern, well, not by the time, where the movie takes place in modern time, but with everything that's going on in the present, I'm pretty sure her head is so fucked from what happened in that relationship that I don't find a lot of what she does unrealistic. Now, I acknowledge it's to the extreme, like these aren't your um, garden variety cases of 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 you know the post-relationship thing even with that said i don't even 100 percent feel comfortable uh expounding or espousing on that or espousing on that because we don't really have anyone representative on the con like on our cast right now to like challenge that right i mean we can the three of us can be like well i don't know any personal experience with that but it's like, could we find someone to come on in here and push back on that? Maybe. So let's just say from our experiences, it seems like a pretty extreme case. But with that said, I mean, I still was able to follow along. I I did kind of look up different theories afterwards because I do think, you know, there is some gray area with the story. What's real? What's not as far as the unreliable narrator aspect of it. Uh, when you said I didn't remind you of any movies, I at first at first i thought okay this is remind me a little bit of men but that went away and i i came away more relating it elements of this to the lodge if everyone remembers that that movie a little bit of the headspace of what was going on in that movie um because i think there's specific triggers in this movie starting with the opening scene which we can get into you know obviously under spoilers but um I it's funny because venom you said you were kind of in the minority i i don't necessarily think you're going to be in the minority as far as people liking the movie or not maybe just for different reasons but i mean i was like halfway through the movie and i'm like this is not going to be a movie for everyone it's probably going to split audiences because when it comes to these kind of like psychological thrillers where there's like implied stuff versus like kind of it's is stuff in person's head when you're trying to, you know, wade through all that kind of territory, it definitely splits audiences. So I I wouldn't say you're wrong or you're in the minority whether you like it or not, just maybe it'll be for different reasons for different people because it sounds like you're acknowledging the performances themselves in a vacuum you thought were good, just maybe it didn't all go together well or come out with a you know, a good final product. It sounds like what you're saying um, well, it's not the final product. From...
1: necessarily. In fact, the final product is pretty good as far as you know, like I said, the technical aspect, the filmmaking, the editing, things like that. It looks beautiful. I, I have no issues with it visually. It's the storytelling. I hate this story. I can't stand this story. And if the story resonated more with you than it did with me, then awesome. I'm glad you enjoyed it more than I did. But I, I, I can't stress enough. That this was an hour and 44 minutes of just sheer frustration. I mean, I I, I paused it multiple times because I just felt my blood pressure going up. This is this is I, I've said this before on the show, and I'll say it again. Movies are entertainment first and foremost before anything, before their art, before they're anything. They are entertainment. They are intended to entertain us to pass the time. This was an hour and 44 minutes of just my heart rate getting higher, my blood pressure rising, me yelling at a TV screen, which I never genuinely, I, I don't really do that that often. I'm usually incredibly quiet when I watch movies, but when I'm talkative through the whole movie, I know I hate the movie, and I was just yelling at every character in this movie. I mean, even the daughter, who didn't really... Overtly have anything hateable about her, but just something about her even rubbed me the wrong way. And it's probably more because of the mom's relationship and how she <laughs> treated her daughter
0: and the yeah. attitude
1: that she had. But I it just I I I found myself not liking one character in this movie in any way, shape, or form as a victim or a villain. Uh, just uh, I don't know. On top of the fact that I'm shocked that at this point, neither Don or I have said that this isn't a horror movie. I mean, it's just flat out not a horror movie. Psychological Thriller is the perfect title, especially once you see that ending. It's To me, it's just 100% psychological, but that's just me. I know there's going to be varying interpretations, but yeah. I, I, yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I, I think it definitely leans towards that way. I mean, there's maybe one scene that you could say they threw in some like, body horror stuff, but um i mean even
0: that
1: that was better than men though yeah that scene wasn't shot in the context of a horror film like if that exact same scene is shot in the context of like a texas chainsaw or friday the 13th it's going to be shot very differently it's going to be much more visceral this one here it's almost artistic which i'm not i'm not going to complain about that in and of itself but just the context of that final scene just irks the shit out of me pretty much like every scene in this movie irks the shit out of me so yeah there you go
2: <laughs> all right well i'm trying to think what else because i think we kind of as far as keeping it more vague i think we've gone over the different well yeah say, like,
1: say I, as much positive as you can mike because i think all the positive aspects of this review are going to be coming from you so i mean anything you got at all, well, spit it out.
2: <laughs> well see the thing is it's like i don't really disagree with what you what you actually said i just disagree with the entertainment value in it like i i don't find frustrating stories or frustrating characters not entertaining i just feel like well that's that's a story they're trying to tell with well, a fucked up or a mentally fucked up character so that's what you're gonna get i mean if if, if you just don't like stories where you know the person's fucking up through an hour and whatever this was, 40 minutes of the film, then it's going to be hard for them to tell the story in a way you like it. Unless like there's like a big redemption arc, which I think they're just depicting like, no, there isn't necessarily, which we can kind of get into, you know, more in spoilers, but that's just a personal preference thing, I guess. I don't, and I think you're acknowledging that too, because you've already reiterated, like you don't find it to be bad. It's just, for oh. your personal entertainment factor you don't yeah. get entertainment out of that where to me i just see the performances and the power of that and i'm like i'm i'm entertaining with our entertain with the story they're trying to tell if it's frustrating hey that's the kind of thing they wanted to tell and i'm yeah as long as it's good i mean there's shitty sure. movies that do this too and i will call those bad movies but if it's well executed and well done and they're trying to do and that's what they're trying to do, then I'm gonna judge it on what what they're trying to do, you know?
1: Absolutely. I mean, I I I want to cut them some slack, obviously, because it is a good looking movie and it is getting good reviews overall. Um when I said I'm gonna be in the minority, I think I'm gonna be in the minority of on hating this movie. I mean there's gonna be plenty of people that dislike it or maybe don't like it very much. I hate this movie, people. I I can't I can't stress enough how much I hate this movie! Just sitting here thinking about the hour and forty-five minutes I spent with it—it it is just boiling my blood. It just—I found no entertainment out of this. It's funny because um, I mean, you could take a movie like *Piercing* that also has kind of a toxic relationship. Between two people and that movie is head and shoulders above this one so much better in both its storytelling and its culmination, which even after we reviewed it, I had a little bit of an issue with that ending. But after watching it uh, in the months since then, I I understand the ending a little bit more and I understand kind of the messaging behind it. This movie, I'm sure there's a moral or a message that Andrew uh, Siemens, the director, is going for. I don't know what the fuck it is. And, uh, you know, uh, same same thing with Darren Aronofsky. What the hell was his intention with mother other than making me feel like I got slapped in the face with a large print King James Bible as I'm walking into the theater? (laughs) You know, so, you know, and and thankfully, this movie is not Christian, biblical, whatever, because that stuff's even more infuriating to me. Um, But with this, I just every single goddamn decision she makes in this movie. I'm like, why? Why? And then the scene in the park, the scene, you know, I I know we all know what I'm talking about, the scene in the park, she fucking chickens out. I'm like, are you after what this man fucking did to you 22 years ago? You're gonna fucking puss out? Ah, I'm sorry, this fucking woman is frustrating. Fuck you for not defending your child more um, vigorously. And also, fuck you for not Trusting your adult child. Granted, she's only 17, but she's less than two weeks away from her 18th birthday. So she is your adult daughter, and you can't trust her with the truth. That affects her fucking life. I'm sorry, but I watch this movie, and it's just frustration after frustration after frustration. And though the ending was mildly entertaining, it did not save this movie for me. So, Yeah, I I just uh, I wanted to like this movie so much because I feel I feel like I've been shitting on Rebecca Hall movies a lot over the last few years. And I don't have a problem with her. I legitimately don't have a problem with her. I think she's a fine actress. I love seeing her in genre films, but it just it just seems like none of the genre films that she's done. have ever been, you know, amazing to me, whereas to the general public, Rebecca Hall is like, you know, I wouldn't go so far as to say scream queen, but she's definitely being looked at as an indie darling, and you know, like a um, festival darling t- too. Because you know, obviously, two years ago with the Nighthouse, and then last year her directorial debut played at festivals, and then of course this year with this movie. You know, uh, the, the the indie scene loves this woman, and I want to love her too. I do. It's like everyone speaks so positively of her, and I have nothing negative to say about Rebecca Hall, the actress, of course. Don't ever get anything I say twisted. I'm talking about this idiotic character that she played that I understand that she's been abused. She's been in a toxic relationship. Her her mind maybe isn't where it needs to be. I totally understand all this. But to make just terrible decision after terrible decision after terrible decision and then to let this guy get back into your head after you escaped from his ass 22 years ago and to just let him waltz right i mean this is just clear narcissistic gaslighting throughout this entire movie and, and i liked him see tim roth is one that i'm going to complain about because i fucking love tim roth generally and even though his performance here was good it was so good that you you just end up hating him. um and I don't know. I'm sorry, folks. I'm having trouble putting uh, my words together. This happens. I'm all flustered because I fucking hate this movie. You're in a
2: blind rage.
1: (laughs) Yeah, thank you. I'll go with that. Maybe not quite blind. Uh, I've been in bigger rages than this by far, but – because like I said, I, I want to be as objective as possible. I genuinely do. It's, it's difficult for podcasters and movie reviewers in general to be objective. But I try to be as objective as possible. Yes, this is a good-looking movie. It's very well made. It's a solid film that I think most people, especially fans of psychological thrillers, are going to enjoy. So don't let my review of it kind of, you know make you want to ignore it if you're a fan of that style if you're a fan of psychological thrillers with good performances great performances even then this might be the movie for you unfortunately it's not the movie for me yeah i mean i here um
0: i think my general thoughts when i was feeling when i was watching this was it's a technically well-accomplished uh it's a technically well-accomplished display of nothing interesting
1: thank you It could have been interesting, though, especially with the accusations that she was making about the guy. Like, I was mildly interested, I will say, in the first act. When we first get her ridiculous 15-minute diatribe about her toxic relationship, um, and I'm right there with you, Don, I wanted her to shut up so much during that whole thing. It's like, are you done? Are you done? Are you done? It's like, how long does it take to say I was married to this guy and we had issues? Boom. Done. Instead, she tells a 15 fucking minute story that I don't give a rat's ass about, sadly. You know, I love backstory. I love lore and, you know, hearing, you know, stories of the past involving characters in a movie that I'm watching. I love that kind of shit. Here, I was just thoroughly bored, literally crying for her to finish. Just please stop talking. (laughs) Oh, my God. I'm sorry, folks. (laughs) I just... uh, Ah... Anything else you guys need to say before we get into our uh, spoilers? I'm good.
2: Nah, because anything else is probably gonna involve spoilers. It's it's kind of hard. Like I think I tried to give the opposite perspective as best I could without like you know start going through actual details. Like hey, well this is why I think this and that and the other. So um, yeah. I mean I would just say yeah, people, it's on VOD. I I would I would say that if anything. <laughs> here's my final general thoughts uh I, I won't say plea to the listeners but my perspective anytime a movie divides people this much i would say now go check it out even more because you got to see where you fall and you might fall somewhere in between it doesn't mean like you're gonna you know hit up a comment thread and be like oh i 100 percent agree with so-and-so over so-and-so maybe you'll be like oh well i fall somewhere in between like liking it and being frustrated with it like that's perfectly acceptable too but i'm just interested because i'll oh, vod we get caught up talking about something that's like been out for a few weeks but this one is relatively new as far as access to people go so i haven't heard like a, many people talk about it. and it it had the unfortunate um uh uh uh, I guess circumstance of releasing When a bunch of other stuff did That's probably like more widely known Possibly I don't know But I haven't really heard that many people Talk about it period except critics So I am kind of interested to see Once this kind of gets around to more people What what they start saying about it Because I honestly have no idea I can see it going either way
1: I, I fully anticipate it going the way of the Nighthouse I think the more people see it The more people are going to praise it um, especially like the non hardcore horror fans that maybe just dabble in the genre every now and again, this is definitely going to be the type of movie that they get into. Um, you know, I, I, I don't really see any difference between this and the night house as far as quality um, performances, you know, filmmaking prowess, things like that. So th- that's the only reason I'm going with that because I, like I said, I didn't hate the night house. I had issues with it. I enjoyed it overall, but it, it definitely wasn't like any of close to my favorite of the year. Whereas this one legitimately, as of right now, is in my top five worst of the year, which is a fucked up turn because I don't want to say this is the worst movie of the year because objectively it's not. There are so many movies that are worse than this, but I'm going by my personal experience watching the film because I can watch a bad movie. All, all of our regular listeners know how much Don and I love The Asylum. We can watch bad movies and enjoy them.
0: You know, I've seen but, films that would actually make Asylum look like A 24 So let's not
1: go praising <laughs> them. <laughs> uh, no, absolutely. But yeah. I, you know, the point is, is that um, uh, I don't even know what the hell my point was. It, it, we it's, have a taste for like trash, these, and I, this I, is
0: a, we have a taste for trash, and this is not it. So us placing it on the bottom of the year list is not indicative <laughs> of being trash.
1: Very true, but I also love saint Maud, so i, I I'm, I'm a weird character. I, I do love my elevated art house, indie horror, whatever you want to fucking call it um, i'm a huge fan of it, and this movie it should solidly fall in that um you know subgenre, and it just doesn't entertain me. I, I just like I said, I, I can watch a bad movie and laugh at it That's the thing. I can watch a bad movie, still have a good time with it, appreciate what you know. What little talent is in the film, I can still appreciate what's in the film, what little talent there is in there. This movie is loaded with talent, you know, both behind and in front of the camera, and I just can't stand this story. So it's really just hit or miss with me, you know? I I, I do love my indie art house horror. I I legitimately do. But this just didn't cut it for me, like I said. I mean, the whole movie just felt like a thriller, you know? It just felt like your basic toxic relationship thriller, like... personally I think men is way better than this movie and men wasn't shy about its allegory in any way, shape or form. So, you know, I appreciate that aspect of it along with the good storytelling and decent effects and, you know, bonkers ass ending. But yeah, this movie just did so little for me. It's just unfortunate. That's all. Especially because especially I was supposed to watch Bodies, Bodies, Bodies this weekend, but I postponed since my co-hosts aren't able to see it this weekend. I decided to wait, and now I regret it.
2: Oh, <laughs> uh, I was wondering because you were originally going to go, and I thought, oh, maybe he's going to go and he'll just watch it again before next week.
1: That's what I was planning on doing, but when I got up Saturday morning, I ended up getting up a little late. Like I literally woke up about a half hour before the movie started, and if you know me, I hate rushing. I hate rushing. I hate speeding. I hate doing any of it. And since it's AMC, you know, since it's the AMC premier plus or whatever, I'm not paying for the ticket anyway. So I just decided, fuck it. I, I just blew it off. I, I, I planned on going, like I said, but yeah, just I, I, I had a bad poker weekend too. So I didn't have as much uh, dispensable income um, as I'd like as well. So
2: <laughs> because of your location is, is it a situation where pretty much, like, every showing of everything is, like, amply filled? Like, not a full house theater, but is it, like, always going to be, like, at least half full, like, no matter what? Not always. Or not is there times when you where it's, like, pretty empty? Okay.
1: Um, oh, no. I, I go to the movies during, like, as early as possible most days. Like, I, I'll go to the first yeah. showing on okay. Saturdays and Sundays. It's more because of the... Uh, Uh, The fact that Mrs. Venom and I share a car and she works nights. So I, I, you know, if I want to go to the theater, I have to do it in the morning that or take an Uber in the evening, which I'm not going to pay 30 bucks to go see a $20 movie anyway. Yeah. uh, yeah, (laughs) Exactly. Uh, So, yeah. So I tend to watch my movies earlier in the day. I will say I did watch Nope on opening night. That's the first opening night movie I've gone to in a, probably since before the pandemic. Um, that used to be the standard thing for me when when my wife and I had each had a car. I always went opening night to any movie I wanted to see. But now I have to wait till Saturday or Sunday. Not You know, not that I'm complaining. But yeah, when I saw No nope on Friday night, it was packed. It was sold out. Every seat was taken. But then when I saw it Sunday morning, it was about half full. And that's opening weekend. So take from that what you will.
2: <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I, I like to see movies early too, early for showing. It's not you know, because they don't start till like ten thirty eleven, so it's plenty of time to sleep and all that. Yeah, that's
1: not, Anyways. Not
2: the <laughs> yeah, well no, now that everyone knows our theatrical uh schedule. Um <laughs> I <can see> <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, I think I was pretty much wrapped up on general thoughts all right. and we can get into uh spoilers now. All
0: right. well, so that's so your warning your people. Horror. And I yep. y-
2: Yeah, I highly recommend watching this first, Um, hopefully not to their detriment, but (laughs) Uh
1: I I was going to say, hopefully not to their detriment,
2: hopefully they'll uh, be happy about it, but you know.
1: Yeah, yeah, like I said, I I, I think more people are, I genuinely believe more people are going to like this movie than I did, Um, a lot of people are going to like this movie more than I did, and that's cool, that's fine, I'm never going to give anybody shit for their movie opinions, Um, But yeah, I I just I really wanted to like this and I couldn't. So like I said, as Mike just said, that's your final spoiler warning. We will get into our little bit of a walkthrough. I'm sure you'll notice that when I dislike a movie, the walkthrough is not nearly as long. So enjoy the short walkthrough, folks. Uh, Our movie opens up with uh, Rebecca Hall's character, uh, Margaret. Everybody calls her Maggie. It looks like she's some type of therapist. She's um, having a therapy session with a co-worker. She's talking about How she's being abused in her relationship. Um, We don't learn much about Rebecca Rebecca Hall's character, Margaret, at this point. Uh, Just we actually hear more about her coworker and her abuse and her toxic boyfriend and things like that. Later on, we find out that Rebecca or that Margaret has a daughter, uh, seventeen. I I didn't think
2: she was a therapist. I thought she was just like a boss in the office.
1: Uh, But why would she be doing that session? That first scene was very much a therapy session. I thought well, was I, thought, top, it was, I it, thought it was
2: just a coworker like a here, it subordinate it was, just yeah, oversharing
0: there's, sharing, too, many, like people there's do. too many later there's too many later conversations the two have for her to be anything more than a therapist. They keep going back to yeah, her, but, her several times
1: and then even but that uh, in okay. that one meeting that one conference she was talking about medical stuff so she's she's some kind of you know, I don't know. She's got something to do with the medical field, because in that in the one conference call that we saw her on in the meeting with those people, she was talking about medical stuff. So, you know, maybe she's not a therapist, but I, I, it, I don't know. Because like when she comes I mean, out
2: office it doesn't no, look no, like you're
1: TV. right. You're absolutely right. But it's not like every the therapist has a couch. You know, <laughs> they're not psychiatrists, necessarily just therapy. Um Anyway, like I said, maybe she's not a therapist, but <laughs> that's just another fucking plot hole for the movie. Why the hell? Because these two, they're not like friends. They don't, they're legitimately co workers, they're, they're boss and subordinate. Yet they have all these heart to hearts. They have at least three heart to hearts in the span of this movie. And it's like, but nothing about them comes off like they're friends. Like they don't have friendly chit chat. You know what I mean? I, I don't know. No, I, I'm probably like, wrong, but... and that's fine. I can accept that. But it, it's just more so... fucking plot hole.
2: <laughs> so to me the the opening scene is really what kicks everything off and what triggers her psychosis. Now, here's the thing. I mean, uh, we're probably not going to hear anything from people about it, but I just want to make it clear. I'm not I'm not a doctor. I can't I'm not trying to actually diagnose if I refer to like something someone might have incorrectly. My bad. I don't know. I'm just using, like, generalized terms. So when I say, oh, this triggered her psychosis, maybe it's not technically psychosis. It's some type of trauma that she obviously has in her head. But I think the purpose, like, because it's like, why even have that opening scene? I think because obviously she, and this is getting into things we learn later, but I, I want to speak on it now because I think it's important about this opening scene, is obviously she has trauma that she went through. Obviously, she's tried to suppress it. You know, she has a daughter. She's raising her. For all we know, at at the beginning, it's like a normal mother-daughter. But I think this conversation with the coworker uh, is what triggers it because the coworker is talking about a leaving, talking about a bad relationship, and that's what starts to trigger because we hear later on, like the
1: well, because we hear later
2: on the daughter said, "I think you're having an episode," so that would well, yeah,
1: that's after that would indicate that, (laughs) (laughs) yeah.
2: No, but white. I'm just saying that indicates that she has a history of this. This isn't the first time that she's well, started I mean, we're to just exhibit talking about the old behavior. We
1: don't know shit about Margaret at this point. We don't know that she's... No, she
2: no, no, right. no, we don't know this right now, but I'm saying when you look at That's the... That's why
1: the I'm scene, saying I think she's a therapist, because why would she be having this conversation with the, with just a co-worker without the well, co knowing she's so the experience?
2: She says she first refers to her as a boss though her boss not right, so yeah, I don't think yeah, a would, sure yeah but why would, a therapist can't you can't um well I, I, I don't know well, I mean she could I don't know if, because, I don't know if she's just breaking the rules because she is who she is but I don't I mean wouldn't that be like some type of violation just sit there and drone on about like your your messed up relationship <laughs> I mean it seems like it's a boss relationship, like a boss employee relationship not a therapist patient relationship that they're having, right?
1: I, I mean, okay. <laughs> I, exactly. I will for you, my friend, because like I said, I care so little about this movie, I don't care if I'm wrong. Honestly. <laughs> yeah, I mean... She is definitely I think 100% in the medical field. We can all agree on that. Yeah, uh, but let's just, let's, just, let's just
2: put like this, as the one defender of the movie, that's the kind of stuff I'm going to like lean on to try to justify why I like the movie more than you guys. So if I bring up like... Things that, is, that I find.
1: I mean, this is what I mean. And... If the journey is frustrating. Yeah, we get explanation later. But if you're just so goddamn frustrated and sick of this movie, by the time you get to the explanation, no level of explanation is going to make up for this journey. You know what I mean? This, this is where I'm coming from. Um, an hour into this movie, I was ready to quit. I did not want to watch any. I literally had zero interest in any of the characters in this movie, the story, all of it. Um, And that's not the norm for me. Like I said, I I don't just check out of movies. I enjoy all movies, good movies, bad movies, in-between movies. I enjoy watching them all. And the fact that I can only say the three films that I've had terrible experiences with over the last five years, I think that's a pretty good average. Only three movies have pissed me off to no end over the last three years. Mother, Greta, and now this one. I think I'm batting pretty good. (laughs) <laughs> for whatever it's worth. It's just that when it does happen, I'm going to be vocal about it. Because if any of you guys out there tend to kind of agree with uh, my interpretation of movies and, you know, my reviews and things like that, then hopefully I will save you an hour and 44 minutes because, you know, if, if yeah, you're we'll see, I mean, with me, I don't know that you're going to enjoy this movie.
2: Yeah. See, the big difference is I I agreed with you about Greta being pretty mediocre, bad. Uh, mother, I think we were I, – I think I l- liked it more than you, but I agreed that a technical marvel was a pretty one-note story. Like it was just a straight – w- I, I almost wouldn't even call it an allegory. It was just a literal interpretation yeah, on it's, screen it's almost. But, allegory. But, but, it, but this is the movie that <laughs> – the difference is with Resurrection is like you don't like it, but I actually do like it. Like I'm not even like middle of the road on it. I like really like it, so that's why I'm – offering up a bigger defense, I guess, than the other oh, ones. Oh,
1: You can defend it all day long. There, I can guarantee there's nothing you can say that's going to change me or Don's mind about it. It's just we've experienced the movie. We've experienced all we want to experience with this movie. No amount of I, – I, no, and I and I'm not exaggerating here. At no point in my life has anybody sat me down to talk about a movie that I hated and then changed my mind about it. It's never happened. Um, I I may soften on the movie, I may say, might start saying nicer things about it, but the overall feeling on the film almost never changes, you know? Um, Well, yeah,
2: I I understand that. This isn't to convince you or Dawn, this is more to give the listeners, like, both perspectives of, like, you know some someone who dislikes it versus someone who likes it so i'm just giving the why i liked it versus why you disliked it kind of thing
1: right. i don't i don't expect but like
2: that because you're going to be like you know what i love it
1: i don't know i understand that but like i said you're moving ahead to explanations that we don't have yet in the opening scene so this is why i'm scratching my head in the opening scene like if, if this isn't a therapist uh you know Patient in relationship. This is an awful open conversation for a boss to have with a subordinate and like I said the main reason I say this is because they do not look like they have a relationship in this movie. They are not friendly. They don't say hi in the hall. They don't go to each other's houses. Do you know what I mean. That's the reason I'm questioning this whole thing. You could be 100% right Mike you you may be 100% right right and that's fine. Um, And hopefully other people out there listening will agree with you more because, you know, obviously I want people to enjoy their time watching movies. Um, And if, if people listening to my voice right now end up watching this movie and loving it, awesome. I'm so happy for you. I genuinely am. But just this movie did not resonate with me. And like I said, as we go through this walkthrough. I will be very vocal about all the different issues that I had. And I'm sure Mike will counter those issues with what he felt. And it's up to you guys to decide who's closer to what you're going to think about the movie. Because it's not about right and wrong, obviously. It's about your enjoyment. Are, you know? Are, do you side more with Mike? Do you side more with Mr. Venom? You know? Um, is this something that you're going to enjoy? You know? Maybe you like movies I hate. Who knows? <laughs> In that case, I'm still doing a service to the listeners. So rock on. You're just the
2: only thing you forgot to say is "Vote in November accordingly micro on resurrection
1: there you go <laughs> all right, so like I said uh you know we've we've been introduced to Margaret, her coworker Gwen, they are having a little back and forth conversation about a toxic relationship that Gwen is currently in um after after that conversation, we uh follow Margaret home. We see that she has a seventeen year old daughter who's already making plans to kind of go away and be independent as soon as she turns 18. And then the big catalyst for this movie, like the, like, this is where I disagree with Mike. Like Mike says that this conversation in the cold open is kind of the catalyst for what happened to Margaret. I'm going to say, no, I'm going to say the vision of David, the the sight of him, I should say, is what triggered this whole thing because she seemed fairly on the ball Before David showed up, you know, as soon as he shows up, she literally turns into a panicky, anxious, filled, anxiety, filled, you know, just crackpot, like literally running around the city, sweating her ass off (laughs) for for weird reasons, you know. So anyway, we'll get into all that. So, like I said, uh, we got our daughter Um, one day while Margaret is out and about. She runs or actually she's at a conference. She's at a she's at a conference and she notices uh, a man that looks very familiar to her. Uh, when the man turns around, it's very obviously it's Tim Roth. And then she reacts incredibly, um, you know, anxiously. Like, literally in the middle. She she As soon as she sees David, she starts freaking out and having a panic attack. She ends up running out of the class, literally leaving her personal items. Doesn't grab her coat, her purse, nothing. She just runs out of that place. And the first thing I'm thinking about is... Well, wait a minute. If there's a guy that's going to elicit this kind of reaction from you, how is there not a restraining order? That's my first plot hole of the movie. This just doesn't make any fucking sense that once we find out what Tim Roth, uh, what David did to Margaret 22 years earlier, it's like, what? You literally didn't call the police, didn't pull a bullet in his brain the moment you saw him. I, I just I don't know. I'm not a parent. So, you know, again, I'm not going to pretend I know what a parent would do, but I'd like to think that if I had a child that I thought was in danger because of what my ex did 22 years ago, uh, there's no thought process there. I am putting a bullet in his fucking brain before he gets anywhere near my daughter. And guess what? If I got to go to jail, I'll go to jail and spend the rest of my life with a smile on my face, knowing that he's not walking the earth. That's just me. Let's move on. So. Uh, She has this panic uh, attack. She ends up uh, leaving work, going home to make sure, instantly to make sure that her daughter is safe. Um, What's the daughter? Abby. Abby knows that there's something wrong with her mother right away. She's sweating. She's freaking out. She looks like she had an anxiety attack, but of course Margaret plays it off. No, no, it's fine. I just, you know, some troubles at work or whatever, nothing major. Later on, um, while she's at a... I think, I believe, a restaurant of some kind. She sees David walk in, and again, she kind of freaks the out. diner? And just, um, oh, and then we you're have, talking
2: about that? Okay, never mind. Yeah.
1: And then we have a third altercation. This is the, thir- the third time that Margaret sees David is in a park. David is just sitting at a bench. Mind you, at this point, David hasn't even looked in her direction, so... You know, th- there's that tiny little bit that uh, in, in the back of your head thinking, oh, well, maybe she's mistaken. This actually isn't the guy, or blah blah blah. But you know, or uh, obviously,
2: let's look the other option.
1: I don't know. The,
2: that the modern day David doesn't exist at all.
1: Uh, that's valid. Head. Well, that's what I was. She's talking all about.
2: fucked up. Yeah,
0: that's
1: what be- I'm talking because
2: about. when you because that's when you were when you were talking about oh, there would be um a bullet in his head you know if he if he was cited i would say yes a rational person a rational thinking person in defense of her daughter would probably do that but i think she's so fucked up that there's a reason she doesn't want to do it which we find out later through his dialogue where the shit that's coming out of his mouth to one of us is like what the like who in their right mind would believe what he's saying but I think that goes back to how messed up she is because of whatever the hell happened in that relationship that she actually believes that shit. And that's why she can't do it.
1: Uh, I don't know. It just doesn't make sense to me. If she believes that David did what he claims to have done, I just don't I don't understand how a mother doesn't defend her child to the death. Like, obviously there's no saving. Uh, Well, I'm getting a little spoilery, but we are in the spoiler section. Um, You know, I don't know. Because
2: it's not just – because – okay, I'll put it like this. If it was just about only her daughter in the equation, I I guess I would agree more. But there's another character in the equation that we haven't got to yet that we will that in this fucked up bubble world that he created with her by, you know, all whatever sick methods, she believes it. Because during one of her – I think this – the story she'll tell later on, she literally says, I, "I, he got me so good. I just believe everything that came out of but his I'm mouth. So when she starts, <laughs> I well, I he is, her. yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: He's a narcissist I that think... can't handle the fact that she left him. And it took him 22 years to find her after she went and moved to an entire another country. Uh, but this is what I mean. It's like you're, you're physically running from someone and then you find them. And your first thought is to just, you know, yell at them or I don't know, like the the police were never involved, which really bothered me, Um, not just in present day, but also 22 years earlier, which I'll get to in a little bit here. Actually, I'll get to in like five minutes. Okay. (laughs) So at this point, like I said, the third altercation, she accuses, uh, she basically says, why are you here? David actually plays dumb at first. He's like, I'm sorry, ma'am. I don't know who you are. My name's not David. He he changes that story literally in about 10 seconds when she she makes an accusation about their son. Uh, apparently, they had a son. We're finding this out for the first time now that apparently they were together and they had a son. And, you know. But he's not in the picture. So, you know, obviously puzzle pieces are starting to come together in the viewer's head. I literally was thinking that David was some kind of cult leader at first just because of the hold that he has on this woman. It's amazing that one man can have this kind of hold on one woman without a support system around him, like, you know, followers basically – confirming his word and things like that. It's just really crazy to me. I'm not saying that it can't happen. And I will definitely not disparage any woman who has been gaslit in her life and, you know, treated poorly. Definitely not. I just, like I said, as I'm watching the movie, a 50 plus year old horror movie fan, I am frustrated at the decisions that she's making. And I'm not even a parent. Imagine if I was a parent, I'd be even more pissed off right now. I think anyway, let's get back to it. I
2: I also think there's more to it too, because when she confronts him in the park, she's adamant about staying away from her daughter but she never says the daughter's name and then eventually he responds and says oh i wouldn't it has nothing to do with abby or like he says the daughter's no, right. name so i'm like so i'm like something's mm-hmm. off that, that kind of made me yeah, okay there's something off about this which made me sorry i mean like, he actually explained
1: that it. they shook hands and greeted each other and that she told david about abby and it's like what I, mean, I obviously, David is trying to convince her that she's insane, that she's seeing things or that she's not actually, um, I don't know, that her feelings maybe aren't valid. I mean, just it's classic gaslighting. You know, we saw it in Men. We're seeing it here. Um, just, you know, like I said, A1 narcissist douchebag who just can't come to terms with the fact that he lost control of this person that he had control over before. Just, just true narcissist piece of shit. So, so anyway, like I said, we have that inter- altercation at the uh, park. Uh, she basically ends the conversation by saying, you know, stay away from my daughter, blah, blah, blah. Uh, the, you know, and then he mentions, you know, knowing her name. You know, Mike already kind of went over that. So after this, um, Margaret, uh, Maggie, ends up going back to work. It's after hours. So the office is, you know, dark. She's the only one in there. And then Gwen walks in. And kind of asks her how she's doing, because obviously, you know, she she missed the she missed the day of work the day earlier and blah, 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 because of what happened at the park. So everybody was kind of concerned for her. But this is the scene that Don and I are just railing against where she literally takes 10 to 15 minutes to tell this story. She She talks about how David. I guess she's just trying to reiterate how much of a narcissist this guy is, because he basically uh, basically they met when they were in college. She was 19. I don't remember if she mentioned how old David was. Um, She did mention that he was a little old for her and maybe wasn't ultra interested in a relationship at first. But what David did is he worked on her parents first. He got in good with their with her parents so that both of her parents absolutely loved them so that when they actually started a relationship, it made sense to everybody. Uh, what ends up happening is uh, they're together for I don't know how long. I'm not even sure if they actually did they get married. I, I don't remember if she mentioned. No. If they got, no, they didn't get married. right No,
2: I thought she said he was like summed up a philosophy professor or something. And then she was yeah, like, yeah. well, my my parents were stupid hippies. And when I said I'm an adult and all this, they just kind of went along with it.
1: Exactly. Yeah. No, totally. Um, so she's talking about, you know, continuing with the story. And then she says that, like I said, she had a son with David. Um, I forgot the baby's name. Was it was ben. the child's name? Ben. I think she
2: referred to as Ben German, but later I might just hear the name Ben.
1: But yeah, you're right. There's a Ben in the credits here. So yeah. Um and what I guess what ends up happening is she ends up having a little bit of a mental breakdown and ends up leaving home for a little while, leaving David, her parents, and uh, little Ben alone. And what ends up happening is she comes home. And she can't find Ben. She can't find her baby, but she sees two fingers on the counter, two baby fingers. And what? It, what the reveal that we get here is that David claims to have ate their son. You heard that right, folks. Literally ate their son, except for two fingers. He decided to keep those two fingers out, I guess, just to show her that he was serious, that he actually did eat the child and not... Just kill it and get rid of it. Honestly, I thought David was such a manipulative asshole that I thought the reveal was going to be that Ben was still alive, that he never actually ate Ben. And those fingers that she saw were just some other random fingers that David had grabbed or something. I thought that was going to be the big reveal that he was actually still alive. But, you know, I digress. (laughs) <laughs> um, so yeah, like I said, we get, this is where we get this information about David And this is where I'm just railing at this point I'm like, are you fucking joking? This guy literally ate, ate your fucking baby And you don't tear his fucking eyes out the first time you see him 22 years later after you thought you escaped from him I, I, I'm sorry guys, I, I just can't I, I I can't with this movie. That just makes no fucking sense to me. That is a lack that that's a lack of regard for your own child. You left. I, no one's gonna blame you for Ben's death. You know, obviously you had a mental breakdown. You left home for a little while. Your husband decides to eat your child as a way to control you. Uh, and I haven't even gotten to the best part yet. David claims that Ben is still alive inside of him. Mind you, folks, this happened 22 years ago. He is claiming that he ate her child and that the child is somehow still alive inside of him. I just, I let out such a laugh. I lol in real life. I'm not even fucking kidding. I'm like, that is the funniest shit I've ever fucking heard. Like, um, <laughs> well,
0: there's, there's one thing. Uh, did we ever actually get any resolution on what happened to the kid, like for police investigation or anything? Because I kind of no. checked out. That's, that's part no, of, he, all he of my ki- questions. No, he
2: killed the baby.
1: He, yeah, I he mean, I. mean, she does not call the police. She doesn't tell her parents. She literally leaves the country. This all happened in the UK, folks, but, but our movie takes place in the U.S. So after David ate her child, she doesn't call the police. She doesn't confide in her parents. She literally leaves the fucking country. I'm sorry, people, but all you mothers out there, if your husband eats your child, you're really just going to let him get away with it? Just leave? I, it's just yeah. Well, so already no, not Fucking plot. Not in a
2: not if they're like mentally unstable and fucking already fucked up. Like that's. I mean that's what I'm trying to get across is she's already very much fucked up in the head before the death of the baby. I mean that's I think the whole point of that story. When I'm she's when this. when she's like I let it happen and I didn't do right. it. Like I think and the thing is we think. At that point, we think, okay, she's somewhat free of his hold because, you know, she's letting that story out. And it seems like, okay, she's with it now and she understands. But then as the movie goes on, I think the point of the rest of the movie is like she's not she's not free from that manipulative suggestion about all his bullshit. And he still has the hooks on her. And I think from that point to the rest of the movie, including the very final scene, that's what it's showing is like she that trauma and the the whatever the fuck he did to her, because obviously some of it's implied. We don't get a detailed analysis yeah. of their entire relationship. But from what we're hearing, she is still kind of in that world of a bubble of thinking for whatever reason that literally what he says is true. And that to me, her actions the rest of the movie. Back that up. Now, we can call her stupid because of it. And in some extent, it's some of her actions could be questionable, but you but to me, I'm looking at it from the mindset that she is in, which is fucking bizarre a world. So she's not operating in the same world we are, where obviously if you came home and your spouse killed your baby, yes, you're either killing them on the spot in a blind rage or you're calling the the cops. Yes, that's what a normal mentally stable person would do. But that's not her, and I think that's where I give it more leeway. I guess. Yeah, I
1: think, I think you're giving this movie too much of a pass by just saying, oh, mental health. Oh, she's crazy, or, or she's obviously damaged because of past trauma, so I'm going to forgive all the stupidity that she does throughout the movie. I, I cannot. I cannot do that. Um, she's a fucking parent. She has a child that she's caring for right fucking now. That well, yeah, should her priority. Uh, that should be her fucking. But it, it, but it, but it not, is her
2: priority. It is fucking it is not now. her
1: priority. How can you watch this movie and tell me that she did everything she could for her daughter, lying to her daughter, going out all night when there's potentially a madman looking for her? No. Mike, you're 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 cutting her way too much slack by just saying, oh, she's damaged. No, but
2: the whole but the whole thing with her now daughter is she's extremely fucking overbearing and not being in any type of reality with her daughter. The way she talks to her daughter, every little thing you can't you can't go out and talk to people. If a stranger approaches you, go the fuck to the other way. Like being very irrational about, hey, her daughter does have to go out in the world and live, regardless if there's. A fucking like there's people out there that will do us harm. That, that's reality. But she's talking to her daughter. Like her daughter's about to go off. I think to college, right? And that's just the reality of the situation. But the way she's treating her daughter is like you're unequipped. They, they, later on, we hear like, oh, you didn't even teach me to ride a bike. Like they're showing examples of how fucking crazy her mom was raising her under these crazy rules and restrictions because of how terrified she was of her daughter running into a similar person. Like that because she was projecting her own fucked up past onto her daughter and saying, I don't trust, you know, the world to not harm you. So that's why her daughter fucking puts her foot down. I'm fucking leaving because she had every right to. (laughs) No, exactly. I I agree with you. But that's what I'm saying. Like that, I think in a way, yes, the mama was fucked up in her upbringing of the daughter, but I don't think she was too. Casual with it, I think it was the opposite. She fucking basically, her home was like a prison. Ooh, I didn't think she was
1: casual about it. You got to realize that everything that you're saying in Maggie's mind is protecting her daughter, but in no one else's mind is that protecting her daughter. Well, it's rash
2: Well, I agree. It's an irrational, irrational response to her past trauma. But that's my point. she's fucked up in the head right. this whole time, and I think, I think what happened, like. I don't because you know, we never get into whether it sounds like she's never seeked professional help, obviously, because there's different times in the movie where people suggest it and she gets overly angry. So I would also assume she's not on any kind of like um psychotropic meds or anything to help deal with it. So obviously through periods of her raising her daughter, like episodes as her daughter has referred to her, has come up where she's probably become extremely overbearing. But that doesn't mean a hundred percent of her daughter's life she's been like that. But her daughter knows enough. Just from the upbringing that, Mom, you're acting crazy and irrational and being overbrown. Now, I'm not, saying it's ira- or I'm not saying it's rational. To me, it's very irrational. But I think that's all in response to her what happened to her.
1: Like I said, it just doesn't make any sense. If, if that's how she feels, if that's the fear that she's been living in for 22 years, how does she not scratch his fucking eyes out the instant she sees him? This is what I mean. You're kind of contradicting yourself, Mike. You're saying that she's going overboard to protect her daughter, but yet when she sees the antagonist, the only thing that could pose danger to her daughter, she does nothing.
2: That because she's me. fucked up in the head over him. She, and she's yet, not over him.
1: She's not over
2: th- any of it. That's the thing.
1: She, right, and you know how she, you're going to get she, over it? Put a fucking bullet in his head. Then you'll get like, over it.
2: <laughs> but that's how a rational person would react she's not rational that's the thing she's mentally unwell about all this she's she can't navigate like we would she doesn't see things like that for whatever reason whatever went on with that grooming process and the power of suggestion she's unable to hurt him until we get you know we'll get into something later but she had multiple opportunities where she could have done something and she couldn't do it now me I am theorizing that the current version of him is, isn't even there in the first place, that it's all um, a figment of her imagination, which just further reiterates her psychosis. But even if he is physically there, and I'm just wrong about that, I think that still can play into the fact that she she's a fucking mentally unwell sick person. She's never dealt with it with professional help the way you almost pretty much have to um, because, you know, it wasn't like a one night of violence thing. This was – I mean, it it was he had the hooks in her in every which way, and she's still. You, I I should just let you go on because I feel like I'm I, I'm gonna try to start talking about stuff that happens later in the movie before you get there. But I'll, I'm just gonna say, as you're going through spoilers, to me, you're gonna start laying out examples of like how she is still not mentally
1: huh.
2: capable of the things that we would do in reaction.
1: And all I'm saying is I'm not giving her a pass for that. I'm not giving this character a pass. Uh, well, I'm not giving her a pass good character because of the mental health issues, but I, I just I don't know. If something I'm was pass, me that I'm much, not, of I'm, hate, not,
2: I'm not justifying her act. like I'm not saying well now she's not a bad Well, you kind of are justifying person, her person.
1: actions though. You're saying that she has mental health and her mind well, is am
2: I'm justifying it in terms of the story they're telling, not as in whether she's a good or bad character. I'm not judging her oh,
1: I'm not as even a good about, or bad you know, good or bad character. I'm just talking about the decisions that she has made in this movie that basically cost her her daughter, potentially cost her her life. Because you know, we'll talk about that final scene that I don't really believe, but whatever. Uh, we'll get to that. I, I just like I said, and, and I'm not talking about any one thing that Maggie does in this movie. I'm talking about the entire series of things that she's doing in this movie. The fact that she has opportunities to end this and just, you know, hesitate so much. She's a fucking weapon dropper, which yeah, we already know how much I fucking hate weapon droppers. Um <laughs> I, will give her credit, I will give her credit for what she does in the final scene. Uh, it was actually kind of ingenious, but we'll get to that. Um, one thing that I forgot to mention during her incredibly long story uh, about her relationship with David is that during their relationship, David would have her perform kindnesses. That's how he called them. He called them kindnesses. And uh, Maggie explains that those kindnesses were, you know, they started out very simple, you know, nothing sexual, nothing crazy, just, you know, very simple, like, you know, whatever, have the house clean or, or, or you know, make me a nice dinner, things like that, just little kindnesses. As the story continues, she doesn't actually get into what, how those kindnesses turned evil, but she does say that after a while it, it, it turned into things that were causing her pain, causing her discomfort, and that she would just suck it up for David and for Fen as well, for her son.
2: Yeah, which sounds to me like it's bordering, if not full-on sadomasochism at that point. I, I think that's what they're alluding to.
1: Oh, sadist. Absolutely. I wouldn't go so far as sadomasochist. David, I don't think David's a masochist. He's a sadist. Absolutely. He wants to sad
2: a- I mean, I'll, I'll settle for that.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um. So. So, yeah, like I said, we find out about these kindnesses. So um, at one point, Maggie ends up visiting David again, going to see him and. Literally, he starts, uh, again, he starts going on his tirade about how Ben is still alive. He's inside of me. Come, put your hand on my stomach. You could feel him. You know, shit that I'm laughing at the entire fucking time. And, um, you know, obviously, she's not receptive. She's solidly in the, uh, you know, camp that he killed her. Excuse me, that David ate Ben and that Ben is dead. I mean, she even says it multiple times in the movies. Ben is gone. You killed him. He's not in your stomach. It doesn't make any fucking sense. How can you consume a child and somehow keep him alive in your body? This is, this is the narcissist in David coming out. He's making up any fucking story that he can come up with to get Maggie back in his life. He wants her back. This is the, this is the, one of the points I'm trying to make about narcissists. They, you can't break up with a narcissist. They will always find a way to get you back in. And, um, you know, again, I'm not going to I'm not going to call Maggie's character weak or anything like that, because obviously we don't know everything that she went through. Just like Mike said, we don't know everything that she went through. She told us, you know, one version of it that, you know, she like I said, she just called them kindnesses. She didn't say what exactly they were. So, like I said, uh, she confronts David. David starts talking to her and almost implying that he's threatening Abby at one point. David even – oh, and I forgot to mention this, too. Earlier in the film, um, Abby got into a bicycle accident. She was hit by a car on a bike, and she had this gnarly-ass, like, 12-inch gash on her thigh that looked like it had dozens of stitches in it. I'm sitting there like, how do you get that kind of gash from a bicycle accident? It literally looks like you – like jumped into a knife factory or something. It just doesn't make sense. So, um, but then later in the film, <laughs> <A> knife <factory>. <laughs> <laughs> later in the film, David actually makes the comment to her, you know, we don't want any more accidents to happen. Almost implying that he fucking hit Abby with the car, which would directly contradict what he's been saying. He's been saying he has no interest in Abby. He, the whole movie, in fact, he never really makes a move towards Abby, Unless he is the one that caused that bike accident, like I said, that line kind of makes it sound because he knows that Abby had an accident. How would he know that Abby had a bike accident? You know, I mean, yeah, he wasn't even pictured why, yet. This
2: mm-hmm. is why I don't believe the present day David's actually there because he just knows too much. It seems like it's her projecting him, and then obviously, if it's her projection, she can feed any like info into her projection. You know, you know what I'm saying, like there. Like, I
1: want to, I want to believe huh. that David's real, because if it turns out that this is just a, I mean, obviously we're never gonna, you know, it's not like any of us are ever gonna sit down with the director and get a full on explanation of this film, but yeah. Uh, if that was my intention if David's not there, I hate this movie even more. I literally well, I was hate gonna this movie say even
2: like, more. I don't feel like my theory is like rock solid at all. It's just me with a limited time I've spent just- with the movie trying to. Make it make sense in my head without I mean, your seeing theory, it again.
1: Your theory does hold water because um, you remember nobody in the movie interacts with David other than Maggie, right? David never. Yeah, that's the other. Point anyone I was else. make. Yeah. I so think I, I mean, I think it, I right. yeah, your theory holds water definitely. I'm not going to say that you're wrong. I, I, like I said, I want to believe that David is real. I want to believe that this narcissistic piece of shit spent the last 22 years looking for this woman finally found her and decide, cause he had no reason to move to that town. It's not like he's working. He doesn't have a job. She actually at multiple points in the movie, she follows him around. She spends at one point in the film, she takes like a week off from work and does nothing but follow him around day and night, which is part of the reason why, um, her daughter, Abby thinks that there might be something wrong with her because she's never home. Even though she's claiming that she's at work, she's obviously not at work, blah, blah, blah. So, um, but, yeah, just uh, – so where are we here? Um, okay, so now one night she, uh, Maggie decides that she's finally going to do it. She's going to try to take David out. She's followed him for the last few nights. She knows that every single night at a particular time he leaves the hotel that he's staying at and he goes and sits at a bench underneath a bridge, um, kind of – Almost like near, like you folks that live in L.A. probably know what I'm talking about. It looked kind of like the L.A. River, like the edge of the L.A. River, um, where, you know, some parts of the L.A. River actually have houses very close to it. Um, So it kind of I'm not even sure if this movie was shot in L.A. It probably wasn't. I'm just saying it kind of looks that way. Anyway, the point is, is that this is a very isolated area with no one around. It's not like there's joggers or night walkers or anybody else in this area. She decides that she's going to take David out. So on the the following evening, she's going to follow him to the park once again. And when he falls asleep on the bench, because it it seems like he falls asleep on the bench, almost like he's waiting for her. I I think he knows he was being followed at this point and he's just waiting for her to make a move. So finally on this evening, she follows him. He goes to the bench. He sits at the bench. It looks like he fell asleep as usual. And then she starts to walk up to him being very quiet I was so mad that she didn't cock that gun before she walked up to him. Why is that so fucking difficult for movie characters? Don't cock the gun when you're about to shoot it, because they'll hear you cocking the fucking gun! <laughs> for God's <laughs> sake, cock it before you walk up to your victim. Uh, this is, uh, this has hammer. been your murdering 101 lesson from Mr. Venom.
2: Yeah, I was going to say, so, it, so, it, it, could just be just, it could be just a depiction of people who aren't uh, Familiar with handling guns, I guess.
0: guess. Because I'm not familiar with
2: handling a a gun, I would probably do shit wrong. Well, some people might buy for some people might buy a gun for protection and put it in a box and it sits there because they just never run into the scenario where they need. And that's kind of what they imply
1: with this movie. Absolutely, no, (laughs) you're totally right. Right. It's on her that she didn't go to a gun range maybe the day before and just shoot off a couple of bullets just so she knows what it feels like. But again. That's me, you know, someone who actually prepares when he goes to kill someone. I'm not just going to do it willy-nilly. Uh, anyway. <laughs> here <laughs> like first, folks. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So, like I said, she approaches David, who seems like he's asleep on the couch. She walks, uh, the couch, the, the park bench. Uh, she cocks the gun as she's approaching him. She points the gun at him. And David says, if you kill me, you kill Ben. So, obviously, she wasn't sneaking up on fucking anybody. And then she, even though he said something uh, the whole time, I'm I'm yelling at the television. Pull the trigger. Pull the trigger. Pull the fucking trigger. Pull the fucking trigger. What ends up happening? She doesn't pull the fucking trigger, and David disarms her, gets the gun away from her. Um, I think he claims that he threw it in the river because we never see the gun the rest of the movie. But it, it just, I I I'm, at this point I'm so checked out of this movie. I'm so pissed off and depressed because. Maggie's character is so dumb that she's making David look like a fucking genius, and he's not. He's absolutely not a genius. He's uh, he's deceptive, narcissistic, controlling, domineering, all of that shit. But he's not intelligent. Remember that I fucking said it. Um, so, like I said, she fails in her attempt to kill him. She and en- uh, he ends up taking her, or. or Trying to take her back to the hotel, he ends up giving her an address and saying, Meet me at this room, you know, at this time tomorrow night. That evening, she ends up going home, and this is where kind of shit hits the fan at home. Uh, the guy that she, the married man that she's been fucking throughout the movie, I forgot to mention that, um, and she actually has no problem fucking a married man, which is another reason I'm not real fond of this character. Um, She uh, basically she gets home. The guy that she's been fucking is at her house with her daughter. She absolutely blows up like, who the fuck are you to come to my house and interact with my daughter just because we fuck, you know, and she had every right to do that. In all honesty, as it turns out, it was actually Abby that called the guy to come over because Abby, obviously, Abby's not stupid. She knows that mom has been kind of seeing this guy. Off and on, you know, for however long. So she ends up calling thinking he might be able to uh, talk some sense into her. Like I said, at this point, Maggie has just been so erratic and not telling her daughter any of the of what's actually happening, basically lying to her face throughout this entire movie. Um, and this scene, it basically just blows up. Um, she blows up at the guy. She tells Abby to go up upstairs to her room. She proceeds to spend the next few minutes berating this guy, telling him, you have no fucking right to interject yourself into my life. And then the guy admits that he loves her. He's like, well, I'm in love with you. W- what a shitty fucking time <laughs> for a guy to say, I'm in love with you. This woman's having a mental fucking breakdown in front of him. I don't know if he's such a fucking... A chivalrous knight in armor that he actually thought that would make her happy that suddenly she would be like, Oh, thank you. I mean, what a fucking moron this guy is. I just, just more characters in this movie for me to fucking hate. Um, so, like I said, after this blow up, she kicks the guy out. She ends up having uh, another conversation with her daughter where her daughter basically says, I'm out of here. And, you know, I turn 18 in a, a couple of days and I'm literally leaving and you're never going to see me again Obviously, you know, she pleads with her daughter, please don't leave. After tonight, there'll be no more problems, blah, blah, blah. Well, actually, she said that the night before, the the night before her failed uh, assassination attempt, blah, blah, blah. Um, So what ends up happening is mom ends up going out one more time uh, to go and confront David. She ends up going to his hotel room where he asked her to meet him. And they start talking again and again, David. Oh, by the way, I skipped all the kindnesses. God damn it. Uh, let me go back a little bit, because this is important, because this is one of the things that was frustrating me throughout this fucking movie. Um, after her and David had uh, their interaction at the park, David basically, I don't know, kind of forced her to perform more of her kindnesses. And the first one that he, that he has her do is walk to work barefoot every day. He says, you have to walk to foot to work barefoot, no shoes, no socks. And she does it three fucking times. And every single time I see her walking barefoot, I want to leap into the fucking television and slap the shit out of her for actually doing what this guy says. Not, again, not going to the police. Uh, she did go to the police once. I, I did forget to mention that. She did go to the police. Unfortunately, she went to the police before David had actually done anything. Like he hadn't threatened her with anything yet. So the police couldn't really do anything because David didn't do anything wrong. But at this point, it's like you've already had a, you know, armed weapon interaction with him. Um, He's already threatened or or at least implied that he's threatening Abby once again, you know, with running her off her bike, blah, blah, blah. Just more shit. Anyway, the next kindness that she has to perform, he says to assume the position in the park all night from midnight to 8 a.m. Basically, assume the position all night. And what the position is is, we end up seeing her. Obviously, it sounds it sounds sexual when you hear that. Assume the position, uh, but what it actually is is <laughs> she's she's actually kneeling. She's on her knees, leaning forward, and she has both her arms behind her back, but they're outstretched, straight out, almost like she's getting arrested. I don't know if you've ever seen like a perp getting handcuffed while he's kneeling on the ground. This is kind of what it looked like. She's on the ground. Um I'm sorry, she wasn't kneeling. she was actually up on her on her uh on the the balls of her feet, so uh, even more torturous obviously and and then nothing happens like she just does that for the entire evening and the next day happens like nothing it's like what what are the point i i understand what the point of these kindnesses are, but it's like i it's, it's just a power play a, what's that it's a power play absolutely it's that's fine. Power. I understand that, but like I said everything that she's been doing in this movie i'm not going to i'm not going to forgive her i'm not going to say that it's mental health yes this is a broken woman with a broken mind i fully understand that and appreciate that but i am just so pissed off with every decision she makes in this movie considering that she's of the belief that this man ate her child i keep saying that <laughs> she ate her child <laughs> and he and she let him get away with it i'm sorry folks I, i'm going to keep saying that because I just can't fathom how this character allows these kind of things to, pers- to persist, you know what I mean? And, and I know Mike's going to talk about, you know, she's broken and everything else. And I appreciate that. I do. I just don't agree with it. I, I'm not I'm not saying that she's of her right mind by any stretch of the imagination. I agree with Mike that there's something wrong with her, but not to the level of just it, of the, the ridiculous decisions that she makes throughout this movie. She's so worried about her daughter's safety, yet she's still going to perform these kindnesses for this man, knowing where these kindnesses will lead. Do you want him to eat your 18-year-old daughter now? Is that it? This is, is, <laughs> this is what I mean. That is the definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. <laughs> so, <laughs> Sorry, folks. I don't mean to yell at you. I love you folks. I, I just hate this movie. Anyway. Okay, where were we? Um, you know we we, we have the uh, the gun. Co- oh yeah, we're at the finale. Um, she goes to visit David uh, at the motel room. While she's there, David continues his story of oh Ben is very much alive and he's inside of my stomach. Here, put your hand on my belt. Or no, put your. He actually grabs her forcefully by the hair, grabs her hair and puts her head next to his belly and we she, we see how she's struggling but then after a second she stops struggling and it's almost like she actually hears something she actually starts to cry and she's like and, and you can see in her eyes that she's actually starting to buy into this story that david has been feeding her for so long but the swerve well, she's always uh-huh. bought
2: into it that's the i think that's part of the point she's always bought into
1: it no because she said multiple times in the movie ben is dead she said it no that
2: way. that's her that's her trying to like snap back into reality but she can't quite do it and I think I think in a roundabout way that's what the movie's saying is because of all that went on is she's trying to do her best to lead a normal life but it this this has never escaped her fully and things will right. trigger it to come back like this why should be because if she was in a you know in a, in a normal place mentally obviously she would never believe that kind of bullshit but she can't not believe it that's the problem
1: yeah, yeah i don't know the, the fact that she said it more than one time in the movie that she believes ben is dead he i mean she said flat out you killed my son she flat out said it so I'm, i mean she said it to him even so, I don't know. I, I'm not going to cut her as much slack here. She, I, I'm not going to allow her to go back and forth and, and just chalk it up to mental health. Uh, I'm just not going to do that. So, anyway, um, once Maggie starts to come to terms or at least start to believe David's story, she pulls, she rolls up one of her sleeves and she pulls out a knife and she starts to say, well, Ben needs his mother. He doesn't need his father. He needs his mother. I, I need to feed him. You know, he's not being fed properly, blah, blah, blah. I, I think that she's just fucking around with them. I, I, I'm thinking that she solidly believes that Ben is dead, but that she's about to do something fucked up to him. But as the scene goes along, I, I, I do start to actually believe that she uh, is buying into David's story because what ends up happening is they end up getting into a knife fight. She ends up stabbing him, well, slicing him a little bit on the neck. He's able to disarm her and put the knife in her back, well, kind of in her shoulder, kind of like upper shoulder. Um, and and then they're both on the ground bleeding, kind of, um, you know, catching their breath, if you will. And then out of nowhere, she rolls up one of her pant legs and pulls out another fucking knife that she had on her, continues to attack David um finally she is able to subdue David and she does exactly what you think she's about to do folks she cuts into David's midsection and starts just pulling out all of his insides intestines stomach kidneys all of it is just strewn on the floor and for a second she's just standing there in silence there's nothing like there's nothing inside of him You know, um, she pulled out all his organs and there's nothing in there. But then suddenly she looks again and she sees. And this is the what the fuck moment of the movie, my friends. There is a fucking living baby inside of this orifice that she just cut into David. Uh, She pulls the baby out of David's carcass. We see the intestines and everything else all over the floor. And we see her just leave the room uh, taking her child with her. Uh, then we get an epitaph scene, which um, I personally I don't think actually happened, but you know we'll we'll talk about that here in a little bit. Um, we see her in a hospital bed, though this is like no hospital I've ever seen because it's the whitest, hmm. cleanest room I've ever seen in my. It's probably not a hospital room, um, it, but it just it was so white and clean, it was so fucking bright, it almost hurt my eyes. And she's sitting there with her child holding Ben, holding baby Ben in her arms. And then suddenly Abby shows up. Abby, who has already left town, uh, shows up at her inner room and, and then takes the baby and holds her, holds him, holds Ben, the child. Again, this makes no fucking sense. Like, <laughs> um, you know, am I supposed to believe that Abby came back to town and she sees her mother with a new child and doesn't question where this baby nope. came from. And God forbid she gets the explanation. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I nope. totally understand. Like I said, the, the fact that this movie, that this final scene is all white, makes me feel like it's a dream sequence. It's a, it's a post-death you know, scene, kind of like a Jacob's Ladder situation. I don't know. It just didn't feel like it was real. I, personally, here's my take on the movie. I think David was real. I think David was actually there in her city. I think she actually did kill him. But then once because we have that pause after she pulls out all his organs, there's a pause of silence. I think that when she pulls out all of his organs and doesn't see a baby in there, her mind just has its final snap. Just she's gone forever at this point. And then that's when she sees the child in there. I think that's where the unreliable narrator stuff comes in. Personally, I think she just killed David because he's an idiot. Uh, But obviously, you know, she's feeling like she now is reunited with her baby, her 22 year old baby. If I have to reiterate that um yeah and then that's it our movie ends our movie ends with this you know idyllic white scene um with abby holding ben and then margaret just kind of staring into the camera while the camera slowly zooms in on her and that's our movie that is resurrection 2022 yeah oh, so man.
2: For that, that final scene for me it's i think it's all i think we're all in agreement that it's obviously her envisioning something that's not actually happening but what really punches at home and is is the as that scene's kind of closing and they start zooming in on her face she goes from a smile slowly to back to looking in horror so she's waking up from that delusion and when she wakes up from that or as she's waking up from the delusion she realizes no my daughter is gone there is no baby I'm still fucked up in the head and this trauma shit will be living on because if – if my theory is correct and David was really – not really there in the modern time, then there's no reason that he can't be reconjured up if something triggers it, right? Because obviously her her reaction to the coworker when he was like trying to say, hey, here's the number of like a – I don't even know if he said psychiatrist, but I think he was he implying, did. Yeah, he did. you know? Okay, so yeah, and if she's not, you know, it doesn't seem like she's at this time open to that uh, option. So it's just gonna keep living on. It's it's almost kind of like a Boba Duke ending where her her delusion never went away, but you know the mom just kind of found a way to compartmentalize that darkness. Where this one, she she's not really even compartmentalizing it. She's just. Fucking gonna live on with it because she's not really doing anything to, you know, she's in. so I guess she's in such a dark place that she can't. Like she just is almost mentally crippled.
1: Assuming by, she's living at all, like I said, the the, the fact yeah, that that last mean, scene looks so white, it almost made me feel, you know, like it's a heaven. It's a post-death scene. Like maybe, maybe after she killed David, she couldn't come to terms with the fact that the baby wasn't inside of him and she jumped out the window. I don't know. I, I'm plugging see, in. Pl-
2: I. I would go see to me I would um I would go along with that because of the whole white tinge to the scene to me that part of part of that would indicate like the person's actually dead the reason why I went the other direction is because if she was dead and she was just envisioning this happy scenario I don't see any reason for her facial expression to go from smiling to like right back to like Terror huh. almost. I
1: don't know. So to I me, me that's almost her
2: snapping yeah. out of a delusion that everything was good and happy because yeah. I got the baby back from David and all that, you know?
1: I mean, the other thing I was thinking too is that maybe that was a mental facility. Like maybe mom just finally went off the edge and they committed her. Um, It still doesn't make sense that the baby's there and the daughter's there, but again, you know, I'll concede that a broken mind could plug that in there, but it's just a lot of the stuff that she does in this movie, even for someone with a warped mind, it just seems so out there, and uh, I don't know, it's just really hard for me to get behind it. Like I said, I've seen movies, we've all seen lots of movies where people go off the deep end, and... 99% 99% of the time it makes 100% sense to me and to this movie just made no sense like what is re- and I understand movies like I usually like movies like this that are left up to the viewers interpretation like did this actually happen um, is it all unreliable narrator you know blah 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 is it Jacob's Ladder Maybe she's she's been dead the whole time and she's just dreaming this whole thing I don't know. Um, but with this particular movie, I I disliked the journey so much that I didn't care about the end and I didn't care about the characters. I didn't care about the culmination of this story, how it ended, how the people in the movie kind of move on from this at the end. You know, it just I didn't care because it's just how frustrating a watch this movie was. So. Like I said, I'm chalking this up to another mother and Greta situation where it's just, I'm just frustrated beginning to end. Like, nothing about this movie made me smile other than the ridiculousness of David's story of I ate our son and he's still alive inside of me. Like, that's about the only thing that made me crack a smile in this movie. And it's probably the one thing that shouldn't have made me crack a smile, so... Yeah, Yeah, it's a lot to digest
2: on one watch, that's for sure. So I'll look forward to your uh, second viewing thoughts on the next No More Room in Hell, right? Uh,
1: Yeah, don't hold your breath.
2: (laughs) Uh, All right, cool. Um, uh, Don, did you have anything you wanted to add before we uh, close this one out?
0: Fuck this bitch. I mean,
2: okay. (laughs) (laughs) I I mean, did you have any (laughs) theories? <laughs> any 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 theories about what was going on or i couldn't give as much thought?
1: The care see and that's where i am too i have to care about these characters to come up you know with a viable um, you know, explanation of what I just watched. But since I don't give a rat's ass about anyone in this movie, I'm very okay walking away from it and never thinking about it again. And that's unfortunate because again, I feel, like the, I, I feel like the
2: daughter really didn't do anything that wrong though. She just no, no, I said that
1: earlier. I, I said that earlier that there's no reason for me to dislike the daughter because she doesn't really do anything hateable in the movie. In fact, I agree with everything she does in this movie. Her mother's neurotic. And she doesn't understand why, because her mother is not sharing information. So, of course, she's just going to say, oh, mom's having an episode because she doesn't know what's going on. Maybe if mom would have confided in her sooner, you know, maybe this whole movie would have taken a whole nother path. Hell, maybe they could have killed him as mother and daughter. How cool would that have been? I don't know. It's just, you know, ultimately, David did kill Abby's half brother. Abby has a half brother that she didn't know about and David ate him. So at the very least there should be some emotion behind that. Assuming I assuming she never I've, told the story, that is.
2: I forgot to bring it up earlier. Um mm-hmm. just like an observation, nothing nothing that's gonna further our debate on everything going on, but I just find, I did kind of laugh, um, and I think it was like not meant to be a part to laugh at, but after Rebecca Hall, um or Margaret, Maggie tells the you know her relationship story to the coworker i love the coworker's reaction it's almost like confusion like uh why are you telling is this like some type of test or what cuz if this is true that's messed up and it, and she's almost like why the hell are you telling me and then rebecca hall's character almost kind of acknowledges like oh shit like Maybe I should I should have gone into all that with a freaking subordinate.
1: Yeah, no, you know? I mean, hell, you shouldn't go into a story that long with any human being. Yeah, I mean, and then I care. About. Give us the short version.
2: Well, the yeah, and then when I was thinking back on it, I was like, that's part of the problem. Is she's talking to this about? Talking to this with her coworker when she should be seeing a psychiatrist, like, I mean, hey, Maggie,
1: that's probably
2: one of the issues. Like, This is what I'm talk talking about with
1: the decision making in this movie. There are so many different paths that Maggie could have gone down, and I just feel like she picked the wrong path at every fork. Every fork in the road, she took the wrong path. And granted, I know I'm saying this, you know, from the position of a movie viewer watching this in the comfort of his home. As I've already said, I'm not a parent, so I can't really, you know, I'd like to think I'd know what I would do. But, you know, the, the fact that I am a petty, vindictive person. Yeah. Somebody fucks with my family. I kill you on sight. And well, you know. And yeah. I again, and I, I mean, know Mike's not of her right mind. Blah blah blah. I understand all of this. That doesn't change the fact that I did not enjoy this movie. You know, that, that's pretty much yeah, the I the mean, tallness sort of I didn't enjoy this, so that's pretty
2: much it. I, I, okay. I, yeah. That's yeah. I mean, I think people know by now after we kind of went through the movie as close as we could based on one watch. Uh, the the only final thing I would say is, you know, leaning. Another one little piece why I'm leaning towards David being or the present day David being conjured up by her is just the title of the movie itself, Resurrection. I kind of feel like it's her resurrecting this shit in her head and she can't get away from it. She can't put it in the path like she she can't properly deal with what happened and it's her resurrecting all this in her in in the present time well, like, I said, like i said you're, you're, yeah you're, like you're, i said it's, it's by no it's by no means rock steady because there's probably people that could come over the movie and be like well then what about this it's just you know right. me trying to figure out anyways um so that's resurrection probably one of our most spirited conversations because it's weird even on one watch i just happen to remember it more i don't know maybe i you know what i think it is it's just because i liked watching Rebecca Hall and Tim Roth so much that, like, I just, regardless of, like, the overall movie, just, like, any time they were in scenes together, it's like, I just enjoyed how they played off each other, just the skill, the the craftsmanship of the acting, so maybe it just made me pay super attention to, like, dialogue and all that kind of stuff. Well, I mean, I,
1: I spoke to that. Like I said, I said the performances are great. On a, on a technical aspect, this movie's almost flawless. There's not really anything wrong with it. In that aspect. All I question is the storytelling. I hate this story. I hate the way it was presented to us. I hate the way the hour and 45 minutes that I spent with this story kind of progressed. I I just, I, I can't, outside of the technical aspects of this movie, I can't think of anything positive to say about it. Like, I can't think of anything to say that I like, oh, I like this scene or I like that scene. There's literally not a scene in this movie that I liked. I did say that the ending was decent. But I won't go so far as to say I liked it, quote unquote. It was it, it helped the overall rating of the movie, whether it happened or not. Just the mere fact that we got the the, the visuals there it kind of made up for a little bit of the film. But I, I don't know, a, a two minute scene is not going to make up for the other hour and forty three minutes of frustration that I felt. I, I just like I said, I want to like every movie that I watch. But if it's if you're going to frustrate me at every fucking turn. I'm not going to enjoy the movie. That's just the way I am. And I was 100% sober for this movie, too. I do want to point that out. 100% sober. There was, you know, nothing inside of me, so I'm not clouded. My judgment is not clouded in any way. It it just didn't work for me. That's all. Hopefully, you guys will like it more than I did. I I genuinely hope you like it more than I did. I'm glad Mike liked it. I I do. You know, it, it it may sound like we've been going back and forth this episode, I'm jealous that he liked it cuz I wanted to I want to like every horror movie I watch but obviously that's never going to happen so you know movies like this are going to come out that some people think are brilliant and other people think are stupid and ultimately neither one is wrong it's just a personal opinion
2: <laughs> All right well uh, I think that's going to wrap up our discussion on resurrection in this episode of Fresh Cuts but before we get out of here Venom Uh, Can you direct people to things you find less frustrating than this movie, as in other places they can hear you?
1: All right. So the main show, No More Room in Hell, episode 47, is currently available. We look at a couple of classic haunted house movies, actually two of my favorite haunted house movies uh 1959's the house on haunted hill and 1963's the haunting which is uh spoiler alert my favorite haunted house movie of all time so i'm sure you already know what i'm gonna say about it but tune in and find out what mike and Derek thought as well that's episode 47 currently available uh no more room in hell presents creature comforts episode 11 has been available for a couple of weeks we um, looked at the latest, uh, the latest genre release, uh, Phil Tippett's Mad God, currently streaming on Shudder. Check out that episode. Um, and then I think that's actually all I have. It's been a pretty slow couple of weeks. I haven't done any guest spots. Uh, I know Don will have something to announce that involves me. Yay! <laughs> but that's it for me.
2: <laughs> all right. Uh, on over to Don. What do you got for us, Don?
1: Yeah, um,
0: so um, I'll announce what uh, Venom alluded to, is uh, he was the guest on uh, my latest episode of the Horror Countdown. We looked at, you guessed it, Spanish-language horror. Claro que si. Uh-huh, yeah. Uh, fantastic uh, conversation there. We had a lot of fun. Um, listening back to it, it was actually one of the... Uh, The few times I actually got caught up in the uh, conversation and actually forgot to edit. Not that there was much editing to be done (laughs) anyway, but, uh, yeah, it was a fun time. And uh, just listening back, uh, editing it was a a blast. So, yeah, uh, go ahead and check that one out. You can find it on pretty much all the platforms. Uh, Go ahead and uh, give it a listen and um i i do have a uh, little bit more info on uh, my guest spot on the nightclub podcast it's going to be a tad bit late but for shark week we're doing sharknado yeah um i really wanted so yeah um I, I tried to get him in on that one but uh i, I was supposed to have recorded it last week but there was a little bit of uh issues with some of the the guest hosts um there's three people on the show so a couple of them had um issues so we had to push it back a week so uh we're going to be recording that this week not sure when it's going to be released because of the delay and uh, it's my first time working with them so i don't know their uh their their production schedule and uh, how fast they get stuff out but um, i'll definitely keep you informed and i did a uh, surprise spur of the moment uh, thing with nfw and for shark week of course yeah. And uh, join them for 47 meters down, uncaged. So, yeah, that was a fun time getting back with them and uh, talking with uh, nudie, Suzanne, Willis, and the gang. So, yeah, um, been a while because I don't think they did uh, shirk week last year because of the pandemic, but uh, got back with them together to do that. And uh, I'm supposed to be joining them for. I think they said they were going to do either Great White or The Requin. I don't remember. Ooh. Yeah, uh, Nudie messaged me, actually. um, Oh, it is The Requin. Nice. Nice. Yeah, um, that was a fun time. Um, I remember that one uh, pretty well from earlier this year. So, yeah. um, He said he was going to decide between the two last week, and apparently he sent it to me while we were recording the show. So, (laughs) Yeah, it wasn't really paying attention. So, uh, yeah, we're going to be doing uh, Requin next on NFW. So,
1: yeah, I guess uh, that's all for me. Yeah, folks, make sure uh check out that episode of uh, the Horror Countdown with me and Don. Me and Don have very different top 10s. You see how one of us is more of a supporter of the classic Spanish horror and another one of us is a supporter of the more modern horror, uh, Spanish horror films. So uh, I won't I won't give away who's who. But, yeah, check out the episode. You get a, a lot. of. It's not like we all have the, the same selections. Very different lists between us. And I, I thought that was pretty cool. So, yeah. Check yeah. it
0: out. Yeah. Um, like I said, um, I think we actually we had two films crossover and then one was. One of your picks was one of my uh, honorable mentions, and I think yeah. one of mine was your honorable mention. So, right. yeah, a um, lot of fun, and uh, yeah, one of my uh, favorite episodes that we hit uh, that we've done. So,
1: oh. <laughs> don't make me cry. <laughs> <laughs> cool.
2: Um, all right, and as far as I go, then I'm already mentioned no more. When the hell the latest episode is? Uh, recorded and I'm happy to say it will be uploaded probably momentarily after this recording's done. I actually had it all set and uh, it was just a matter of did I have time to post it before or not. So that should be up. If you're listening to this episode, that is you sh- you should already have access to number 47. Um, and then I have another episode of Watch This Movie, Mike. That's that should be ready to go probably about halfway through this week and then what else do i got uh i think that's it me and venom still got something in the works mm-hmm. uh venom's venom's driving that vehicle but i'm gonna be doing it with him so uh i'll i'll leave the announcing of it to him when he's ready and um venom you have a i think one of your episodes of the summer series got posted today did you mention that
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I've been talking about it for the last two weeks because we actually recorded a couple of weeks ago. But, yeah, I guess the episodes finally are getting released this week. Um, I was on, as usual, I participated in the summer series with the podcast Under the Stairs. This year I was on The Twos, which uh, means 1972, 1982, 1992. and 2002, um, uh, the, the point of the summer series this year is to get the number three movie for every year of horror before uh, he was doing three finalists like for the last couple of decades for the tens he actually did um top three so to even things out we're gonna we're going back and doing the number three for each of those years i will also be on the sixes 1976 86 96 and 06 that will be recorded sometime next week and i would imagine will probably be released a couple of weeks after that. So yeah,
2: check that out. When it comes to those summer series episodes, it's really kind of depending, um, just because of the time zone difference. Sometimes it'll get posted where I still have like a few hours <laughs> at work today. It was like right before I got off work. So I'll listen to that first one tomorrow, but it's, looking forward to it. It's a good group. Oh yeah. We had a blast. A of people, we had an yeah.
1: absolute blast. <laughs> I was heartbroken cool. by a couple of my co-hosts, but still had a good time. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah, I, I still got one episode coming out. I'm sure it'll just align with, like, when it's the chronological order for that year. And uh, But, yeah, other than that, that's it for me. So next episode, I think I mentioned at the very beginning, we will be doing Bodies, 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 now that it's on wide release this week. Um, so if uh, you tune in next week and uh, it's not that, then there's got to be a really good reason why we're not doing it next week. So, yeah. Um, anyways, yeah, that's going to do it. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We will be back in a week with uh, the next episode. Until then, let's say bye to listeners.
0: Later. Don't do stupid shit.
2: <laughs> yeah, the baby's not inside your ex. <laughs>